In the name of our risen and ascended Lord, who has come, will come again in glory to judge both the living and the dead. Amen. So, we have a king of comfort. And that sounds like maybe somebody who sells mattresses, I know. Um, we've got Comfort King here in, in Fargo. Um, the king of comfort is not about putting you to sleep. Uh, the king of comfort is all about uh, rising you to new life, waking you uh, to the comfort that we have in him. And certainly in Advent, we can think about uh, Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future in our context. Christmas past, uh, we rejoice because uh, Christ has come, right? And we can take comfort in that. We we uh, we also are uh, we can celebrate Christmas present because Christ has a, he abides with His church, He remains with His church, He's promised to be with His church through word and sacrament. So He comes to us even now, right, in ways that we can't see but that we uh, receive by faith. And then of course uh, Christmas future, uh, if you want to talk about coming and arrival specifically, um, He will come again. And so we have a king of comfort. But throughout the ages, there's a problem. And that is, is even though we have a king of comfort, uh, we tend to try to find comfort in other things. Uh, We are fickle and flighty when it comes to our allegiances. And if you want a biblical example of this, um, you need look no further than just a few chapters uh, in Isaiah from today's uh, Old Testament text. You can turn to the book of Isaiah and focus on Hezekiah, who was king of Judah. And in chapter 37, there's this guy named Sennacherib. All right. He's the king of Assyria. All right. Sennacherib, he's the king of Assyria. It's an invading invading nation. And he's carving through uh, Judah like butter. And he's heading toward the capital. And Hezekiah does something that I think in that moment, I hope we all would do, which is he prays. He prays to Yahweh for deliverance, right? Knowing that he's a good and gracious God. So there he is. He prays to Yahweh for deliverance from this um, invading army, this eminent uh, destruction. And Yahweh makes a promise, okay, that the invading king shall not come, quote, shall not come into the city or shoot an arrow. Or come before it with a shield. Or cast up a siege mound against it. No, Yahweh promises, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake and for the sake of my servant, David. Now, unfortunately, there's been some um, unfaithfulness on behalf of the people of of Judah, uh, just as there often is. But Yahweh had made an earlier promise to David to place someone on his Davidic throne whose kingdom will last forever. And Yahweh is going to keep his promise. So he's going to keep his promise. I'm going to remember you for the sake of my servant, David. So even though Judah finds itself in a hopelessly, just absolutely seemingly hopeless situation, uh, mighty Assyria is not going to take Jerusalem. Because the Lord is going to fight for his people. And he does. Literally. All right. Literally. The angel of the Lord. I don't know if you know this uh, narrative. Goes out 
and dispatches, I'll use a euphemism here, 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. 185,000. And what do you think happens? That sends the rest of the forces turning tail back home along with the king who was boasting before of his earthly might. And uh, if you want to know the narrative, um, you can read about it. Uh, He does meet a grisly end. But you would think that with such a display as this, uh, it really is a, a, a glorious display. With such a display like this, that Hezekiah, king of Judah, would marvel at the Lord's power, would marvel at the Lord's faithfulness, would marvel at the Lord's love would marvel at his surprising grace and his mercy for his people. But just two chapters later, Hezekiah enters into an alliance with Babylon for the purpose of protecting Judah against Assyria. Fickle. Flighty. Because of this, or, you know, Loyalties, loyalties faded, right? Faded right away, right? Didn't take long. And because of this, God tells Hezekiah that his descendants will be taken into captivity by this very nation from whom they seek help. And Hezekiah's response is, yeah, so what? At least there'll be peace and security in my days. In other words, um, you know, I'm sticking with Babylon because uh, at least we know that we'll be safe. Uh, captivity is coming, Yahweh promised. And it did about 125 years later. But these are the developments. Okay, I, I tell you this to tell you, you're like, why do we need all of this information, all this history uh, that happened so long ago? Okay, because uh, I want to show you God's heart. That's why. All right. Despite these developments, Then we have an unexpected message, because right after these developments, you have the words from today's text from Isaiah 40. And the first part tells what God's going to do, even though he has pronounced that his people are in will go into captivity. Right. So the words. So this is the heart of God. We see the heart of God after such a um, I don't know what you want to say. Betrayal. Uh, disloyalty, uh, comfort, right? Comfort, comfort, my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. So this is the what. Uh, so there's there's bad news, but then God has good news. And here's the what, uh, that Their sins will be forgiven. He will pardon their iniquity. He will comfort them. And it's unexpected. Even though God's fickle people turn away from him, God remains faithful to them always. Even though God's people do not always acknowledge his goodness and easily dismiss his mighty deeds and think, boy, I can get a better deal elsewhere, that kind of thing. um, God will keep his promise. And he's not going to chide, right? He speaks tenderly. Isn't that something? He speaks tender words to them, assuring them that even amid their unfaithfulness and their sins, amid their fickle nature, his mercy 
will overflow. His mercy will overflow to such a degree that there will be a double portion to pardon all their sins. What does this mean? A double portion. It means there will be more than enough forgiveness to cover all of the sins. That's what it means. Does that make sense? Uh, Where there is sin, uh, the mercy and grace is more. Right? This is the what. And it's important because uh, God's message through Isaiah for the people at the time is also God's message for you. Even though we do not always acknowledge God's goodness and easily dismiss his mighty deeds and turn to elsewhere uh, thinking we're going to get a better deal, uh, God will keep his promise. He will speak tender words to you, assuring you that even amid your unfaithfulness, amid your sin, amid your fickle nature, his mercy (laughs) will overflow with a double portion to pardon all your sins. There will be more than enough forgiveness to cover your considerable debt. So you have a God of comfort, a God who extends what's called his chesed. I know, it's hard to say, it's Hebrew, to his people in all times and all places. We've talked about chesed before. Um, What is it? It's hard to explain. It's this idea of, of love, okay, of true love. Um, that it, it includes mercy, right? That you have compassion on people when they're stuck. Uh, it's steadfast love. It's, you know, it doesn't wax and wane. It's steady. It's always there, right? Uh, Hesed is covenant faithfulness. You make a promise, you keep it. It's all of these things. Uh, it's relational, though, right? It's relational. And so uh, God is faithful and, and, and very uh, abundant in his Hesed. But Isaiah t- contrasts that with our own Hesed. He compares God's Hesed with those of his people. So he writes this A voice says, Cry. And I said, What shall I cry? And then this is what is said. And you probably think you know what it means, but unless you know what Hesed is, you don't know what it means. So it says, All flesh is like grass, and all its beauty is like the flower of the field. And you think, Okay, this means we're transitory, right? We get old, you know. Uh, our lifespan is only so long. We're transitory. We're not eternal. Um, right? We, it's this kind of thing. Uh, that's true. But the word translated is at, as beauty is actually chesed. So our relational aspects, right? Our, our faithfulness, our mercy, our love, here and gone. Right. We don't always keep our promises. We might do it for a while, but what happens? The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass, our affections, our allegiances, our loyalties. They come and go. Our mercy only goes so far. Right. That's enough of that. I'm done. Our love is not steadfast. Right. It, up and down. I thought about, uh, especially with the promises, um, I thought about the, word, the, the song Promises by Eric Clapton, if you know that one. right? We made a vow we'd always be friends. How could we know that promises end? Right? That's human chesed. So now we've got to deal with the how. We've, told, we've said what. God has promised all of this forgiveness. But how... How is he going to get it to his people? How can God make progress if his people are so flighty and fickle? And the second part of Isaiah's message deals with that. 
So yes, the grass, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. He won't let his mercy, love, faithfulness, or reliability slide. And he's always going to proclaim it. And he's always going to call people to repentance and faith through messengers. Like Isaiah. Like John the Baptist, right? Um, even like parish pastors, right? As lowly as they are. So it's a call to repentance and faith, right? In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You can take this creationally. That's good. You know, the entire creation. Um, every valley shall be lifted up. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. And the uneven ground shall become level. And the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it. So I would say, um, apply this to yourself, right? The rocky places, the high places. You know, all of that's got to be torn down to make room. And the only way to do that is through the word of the Lord. Right? Uh, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Why? Because the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So Isaiah calls people to repentance and faith. John the Baptist calls people to uh, repentance and faith. And the Lord himself eventually will call people to repentance and faith. Prepare your hearts. Make him room. Don't look for deliverance elsewhere, for it will come from the Lord and the Lord alone. And the Lord himself will come, right? But it takes God's word to do that. After God's people were taken into Babylon, right? They remained there for about 70 years. And we talked about this before. I know it's a lot of history, but... But under Cyrus, this Persian leader, uh, they come back to the promised land, right? They come back to uh, Jerusalem. And they go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall and fortify the temple. But something's different. All right? Something is different. Uh, if you know your biblical history, right, it's very helpful. Um, because God makes his presence known tangibly uh, to his people uh, as they leave uh, um, Egypt. Excuse me. Right? As they leave Egypt, God uh, comes to his people tangibly, right? His glory, it follows them out of Egypt. It leads them as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And his glory later fills the tabernacle. That's the movable church, right? Because they're wandering, so they got to move the church around. God promised to dwell there. He did. His glory filled the tabernacle. Later on, uh, Solomon builds the temple. It's a more permanent uh, structure, right? God promises he's going to dwell there. But when the people returned from Babylon, the glory did not fill the temple. It did not occupy the temple. Where's God? Where is he? Isaiah and John have good news. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem. Herald of good news, lift it up, fear not, say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. And there he is. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. Yes, indeed. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. 
You see, the glory of the Lord isn't gone forever. The glory of the Lord comes. The Lord himself comes. He appears in the temple in the person of Jesus Christ. Here is the glory of the Lord. Here is the Lord himself to do those things uh, that Isaiah promised. He is the temple, right? You probably remember that. Destroy this temple in three days, I will rebuild it. He is where God in his fullness deems to dwell among sinners, among his people, right? He's not gone. He is the one who brings the message. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is is here. It's at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. See? So we've got the what. We've got the how. And now we've got the who. Right? We've got the what. Forgiveness of sins. We've got the how. Through the presence of repentance and faith. And we've got the who. Jesus. The one through whom forgiveness is possible. Isaiah pointed to one who would prepare the way for the Lord. And we know from the New Testament writers that that is John the Baptist. And who does John the Baptist point us to? Not himself, but to Jesus. John, Isaiah, all of them point us to Jesus. Jesus will shepherd his people into full glory. Jesus will show us the one from whom all comfort flows. Jesus is the Lord for whom we should prepare. Jesus is our king of comfort in Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas future. I want you to think very long and hard that before Jesus, uh, people could not come into close contact with God's presence and live. Whether that be in the tabernacle or the temple, it was, there was all kinds of Levitical laws that kept God separate from their people because of their sin and his holiness. Historically, since uh, the fall into sin. But now, Jesus draws near. Through the gospel, he's going to, to bring and draw all people to himself. Think about this. See, we don't think about this. Through Christ's suffering and death and resurrection, you will have more than enough mercy, more than enough grace, more than enough merit to cover all your sins. And they are considerable. You have to look at the history. This is love and faithfulness and hesed for the fickle, for the flighty. Right? The hymn reminds us, it's Lenten, but it reminds us uh, about Jesus and his relationship uh, with his people. So this is, uh, O oh, dearest Jesus, what law hast thou broken? What punishment so strange is suffered yonder? The shepherd dies for sheep who what? Love to wander. The master pays the debts that his servants owe him who would not know him. Well, if it weren't for the gospel, if it weren't for the word of the Lord, no one. You are a sinner. I'm a sinner. Your beauty, not your physical beauty, but your hesed comes and goes. But maybe we should say and because that seems like what comes before isn't important. And Jesus is the word made flesh. And the word of the Lord endures forever and ever and ever. 
Jesus is God's mercy. Jesus is God's steadfast love. Jesus is God's faithfulness. Incarnate. Fulfilled. He is God's chesed for you. He is Christmas past, Christmas present, Christmas to come. He has and comes and abides with his church to comfort his people. He is the king of comfort. In him, all your sins are forgiven. The enemies of sin, death, and the devil have been overcome. In the words of our text, your warfare is over. You have received from the Lord's hand double for all your sins. So take comfort. The Lord is with you now and always. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.